From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning and welcome to GRN Alive. It is Friday morning, beautiful where I am, few clouds in the sky. It's a little cooler today than it has been. Yesterday was a hot day here in North Texas. Uh, hopefully it's nice where you are. It's July 31st, last day of July. Can you believe it? We're almost into August 2020. We're in the 17th week in Ordinary Time. And today is the feast day of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuit order. He died in 1556. Uh, That also, of course, was a very tumultuous time in the world right after the Protestant revolt had started. And uh, we could probably do a whole show just on the history of the Jesuit order and uh, its founding and where it is today. But that's not going to be the focus of them. We do remember them. We asked for uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola's uh, intercession, and uh, they initially served as the missionaries for the Pope. Uh, They were bound by a fourth vow of special obedience to the sovereign pontiff in regard to missions, and uh, they emerged as an important force during the time of the Counter-Reformation in the Church in the 16th century. My name is Dave Palmer, host of this program, and Cecil is still on vacation. Remember last week she was on for half the show, Diane, and then yes. she, she she bailed. And interestingly, she went to Arizona with some friends. Mm-hmm. I think she's driving back. Yeah, she uh, showed pictures on Facebook of her trip at the Grand Canyon, and I, I uh, bet she's listening. Yes, and also. <laughs> Uh, New Me- she stopped by New Mexico before heading to Arizona. Yeah. Well. And uh, our general manager down in South Texas, Richard Reyna, also went to Arizona for some personal reasons uh, having to do with his family. And uh, he texted me this morning and said that they got started at 4 o'clock in the morning driving back from Phoenix. And his son, Elijah, at 4 o'clock in the morning said, Dad, can we listen to GRN Alive? Oh, cool. And so I know how that Hello, goes. Hello, Richard and family. Sometimes kids, you know, they fall asleep in the car, that that you know, rocking around. So if Elijah's still awake, uh, good morning to you, Elijah, and to the whole family, the Reyna family driving back, probably right next on the freeway to Sissel and, uh, you know, as they drive back. But anyways, uh, let's see. Dr. Chris Malloy uh, is here in studio as usual. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Uh, professor, University of Dallas, author, speaker, uh, radio guy. Just kind of do it all, don't you? Uh, yeah, I also sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you do. All right, uh, we have an interesting topic today. Uh, I want to, before I get to the topic, and we got a couple of really interesting guests. I'm, I've been really excited about this program for a long time. It's been in the, in the works for a while. I'll tell you all about it in a moment. I do want to remind you, and it ties into our theme today, that uh, Guadalupe Radio Network is looking for rosen, rosary missionaries. And can you commit to praying the rosary every day? You know, it just takes 15, 20 minutes. Do it with your family. It'll make a huge difference. Go to grnonline.com, and you will see a link to sign up. And the intentions that we ask you to pray for are America and our world in this time of crisis, that peace may replace anger, violence, and resentment, also the conversion of hearts, a cure for the COVID-19 virus that afflicts our world, And also for leaders of the church, our country, and our world uh, to be led by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so when you do that, if you sign up, we're also going to send you a surprise. Okay, I can't tell you what it is because it's it's a surprise. All right, so Diane, when you think of the rosary, 
What's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's uh, Our Blessed Mother. All right. Good answer. Good answer. I, I often think of Fatima. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm just trying to lead into our topic today or not. But, of course, Our, our Lady of Fatima, uh, you're a big devotee of Our Lady of Fatima, right, uh, Dr. Malloy? She called herself Our Lady of the Rosary. Yeah, there you go. And then now we celebrate a different feast day, right? October 15th, is it? Our, our Lady of the Rosary, right? Yeah, I don't uh, remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, the reason I bring this up is two reasons. Uh, there's a movie coming out uh, called Fatima. Uh, the movie, I think it's called. Uh, it's coming out in August. Of course, nowadays, coming out, what does that mean? Is it going to be in theaters? Are we going to be allowed to go to theaters? But I think it's August 28th, according to their website, FatimaTheMovie.com. And I have had a chance to see it, but there's a thing called an embargo, where after you've seen a movie, there's a certain date that until that date, you can't talk about it. You can't say whether you liked it or not. Isn't it kind of strange? Uh, uh, makes sense to me. Yeah, so I... I do, saw it as well, but I'm, I'm wondering, how do you get it to come to cities? Are they going to talk about that? We'll, well ask the director. I, I, I think the, the movie theaters, I think, uh, for the large, large part, are open, right? But they're limited, uh, and then you can also have the pay-per-view and, uh, you know, Netflix and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's coming out August 28th. We'll ask uh, the producer, Dick Lyles, is going to be with us. So you saw the movie? Yeah? Yes, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm going to ask him, how how can you get it to come to cities? Oh, okay. That's the question. Okay, yeah. all right. Hopefully it'll be coming everywhere. So anyways, he's going to join us, and uh, it's kind of strange. I can't say anything about the movie, but <laughs> so stop me before I get too far. Uh, so Dick Lyles will join us in a little while. One of the key messages of Fatima was about Russia. Of course, uh, Our Lady came in May 13th, and then the, the five sub, uh, months after that, World War I was raging. And then, back, and then in November of that year, the Bolshevik Revolution uh, started. Leftist revolutionaries uh, led by Vladimir Lenin launched a, a coup. And then in 1923, the Soviet Union was formed. Uh, I have two, I call them experts on Russia uh, here, um, and the the conversation we're going to have today is going to be the intersection between Our Lady of Fatima and Russia. What's going on in Russia right now? Uh, was the consecration of Russia carried out? You know, most people would say yeah, but some people continue to say no, it, it didn't happen. Uh, Rick Strickland is a convert to the Catholic faith. He is a parishioner at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Keller, which is in the Fort Worth Diocese, for those of you uh, outside of North Texas. And he also is a retired naval intelligence and currently works as an inspector with the Department of Homeland Security. So he really has his finger on the pulse of a lot of things uh, international. He brought with him, and you can see him, uh, if you're on the social media platforms, uh, you can see uh, our guests that I have on right now. I think it's only YouTube and Twitter, right? Uh, the, and Facebook? Facebook is on now, too. Okay. Uh, he brought with him his godson, Luke Metz, uh, who is currently studying for a master's degree in international affairs at Texas A&M at the, the Bush uh, School there. Uh, Luke spent last summer in Russia. Okay, and as part of an exchange program, and he speaks almost fluent Russian. Would that be right, Luke? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Okay, so uh, got to be on the ground, talking to the people, witnessing kind of the the, the affairs there. Uh, and so he's going to come, and, and uh, Rick as well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here, Dave. Good to see you. And you have a particular interest in Russia, don't you? I mean, you, 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 in our conversations, if you guys and I go out to lunch, Russia seems to come up a lot. Well, uh, only uh, the Fatima, to me, it, it was a central message of Fatima that that Russia must be converted, that Russia must change or spread errors around the world, and you know we we saw 
how it, the non-conversion of Russia led to between 7 and 12 million deaths in the country as a result of that communist revolution mm-hmm. and the civil war that followed. And then, uh, it, you know, the errors of communism, which is atheism, really. It's yeah. atheism. It goes to China, and then you have how many? 60 million people. Well, yeah, China between 75 and 125 million people dying. Let me, uh, before we get into the the, the thick of it, let me give a little bit of background, because I know many people are familiar with Fatima, but let me just give the background so that we can have some baseline of what we're talking about. Uh, In the July 13th appearance uh, at Fatima, Mary asked that Russia be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, right? Uh, Sister Lucia later recorded... um, in her memoirs, that she heard Mary say, quote, God asks the Holy Father to make, in union with all the bishops of the world, the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, promising to save it by this means. Uh, these words, and I'm reading an article here, were later interpreted to mean that Russia would be saved from communism through the prayers of Mary's heart. All right? Whether or not Russia was consecrated to the Immaculate Heart has long been debated. On March 25, 1984, Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, offered a prayer of consecration for, quote, the world and the human race. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, when he was prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, spoke with Sister Lucia after that event and said that she confirmed this act by St. John Paul, fulfilled, quote, what Our Lady wished. Okay, so according to John Paul II, Cardinal Ratzinger, Sister Lucia, is that, that's pretty much agreed, right? They all think that John Paul II did consecrate Russia, right? Uh, the Archbishop um, Metropolitan of Moscow, Paolo Petsy, in September of this year, told Catholic News Service that he believed that he had witnessed Russia's converse, uh, conversion. He said, quote, I thank our God that I became one of the witnesses of the return of Russia to Christ. Uh, he added that Mary still calls Russia to convert to Christ, but she did not say what form this conversion would take. Uh, and then the only thing I want to say, and then I want to turn it over to you two, and also Dr. Malloy as well, is uh, Mary also warned about the spreading of the evils of Russia, right? And I think talking about communism, today we see that very evident in our culture. I'll just give you a few examples. Uh, the, maybe the most powerful political force in our land right now would be Black Lives Matter. Co-founder Patrice Kohler said in a, in, a, in a video from 2015 that she and her fellow organizers are trained Marxists, making clear their movement's ideological foundation uh, she was a protege of Eric Mann, former agitator of the Weather Underground domestic terror organization. She said, quote, the first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Myself and Alicia, the other founder, in particular, are trained organizers. Uh, she said, um, I also found interesting the debate this week about uh, America's frontline doctors, where these doctors held a press conference to talk about a uh, alleged, you know, the treatment for COVID-19 and all the big tech media companies basically deleted it. I was trying to find an article this morning just about that story and every single article that I found on Google was negative towards the doctors. Uh, one of them said the ongoing battle between social media companies and COVID-19 misinformation pushers. 
including U.S. President Donald Trump, stepped up again this week thanks to a new viral video, and it is exposed once again how difficult addressing conspiracy theories is. So many people are saying, okay, the media is starting to silence people. There are signs, I guess you could say, that um, there's a socialist element, a Marxist element that's taking hold, a revolutionary spirit in America, and many people are concerned. Okay, so... Uh, let's get back to the, the main topic is the consecration of Russia. And I think, Rick, you are a proponent and you would agree with Sister Lucia and uh, John Paul II and uh, Cardinal Ratzinger that it actually did happen, right? I would – our Lord says you judge somebody by their fruit, right? So when I look back at communist Russia that was an atheist country promoting uh, atheist ideology um, – and I look at Russia today, I don't see the same country. I see uh, a country that has pivoted back to Orthodox Christianity and placed it you know, pretty much center. And you would say, well, Rick, what, what evidence do you have of that? Well, you have uh, President Putin who, you know, you could argue whether he is for real with his orthodoxy or not, but he's sort of, in my view, kind of like a Constantine figure, right? Mm -hmm. Because Constantine pivoted uh, Rome from uh, paganism to Christianity, made it, made it legal in the Milan Edict in 313, and Putin, through the edicts that they're passing, the laws that they're passing, the anti-propaganda laws that, you know, can't that, that can't, you can't promote non- Christian values mm -hmm. in the country in 2013, and then in July of this year, they passed a law on marriage that says, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's a Christian concept, um, along with, you know, elevating the church. And I mean, he had one comment that was interesting. Uh, Putin said there, and this was uh, in, a, in a film that, that was sponsored by the Russian government, so you could say, oh, this is Russian propaganda. But uh, there was a spiritual vacuum, this is Putin, after the fall of the Soviet Union. True values are religious values. The return to religion mark the natural revival of the Russian people. So that's, that's kind of his thinking. So if the consecration was made and there is evidence that They've installed the church and are returning to Christian values, and they're returning to Orthodox Christianity. So, if you're a Protestant in 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 Russia, you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. But if you're an Orthodox or a Catholic, uh, and there's a few other state officially recognized yeah. religions, you're okay. But in Putin's world or in Putin's mind, he thinks a pivot back to Orthodoxy is going to be good for the Russian people. Mm -hmm. it, in a nutshell, can I ask about homeschooling as well? I, 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 how, how does homeschooling uh, fare in, in Russia now? Do you know anything Good. about the homeschooling? Uh, I mean, I never really encountered it, so I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, let, let, me, let me officially bring Luke in uh, again to the conversation. Luke Metz, again, uh, spent last summer in Russia. And what were your general impressions? You were a convert to the Catholic faith also, right? You came in, is that mm -hmm. right, uh, around the same time Rick did? Yes. And so uh, Rick's saying if you're a Protestant— pretty much out of luck. I don't know if it's officially illegal, but there's not a practice of Protestantism. But there is Catholicism allowed, even though the majority of people are Orthodox, right? What was what were your impressions? Uh, in regards to Protestants, I, I didn't really encounter any. Um, I did meet people that were Mormon. And I know recently, uh, maybe a year or two ago, they, uh, I think 
arrested around a thousand Mormons. So you can see, uh, I guess, different sects of people who you, people who consider themselves Christian or could be persecuted. But uh, in regards to Catholics or Orthodox, I didn't really see that being the case. When I was in Moscow, it wasn't as prevalent to be Catholic. There was maybe two cathedrals. Mm-hmm. The rest, I mean, there's Orthodox churches everywhere. I mean, yeah. we'd go, you know, just go explore the city and all of a sudden we run into this beautiful cathedral and we're just like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> but um, in St. Petersburg, I also spent time there. There was about six or seven Catholic churches, cathedrals that, so it was more prevalent there, but that's also, they consider that more westernized. Yeah. Is it Roman, uh, the Roman rite or? Roman, yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, I, I'm guessing you got to talk to a lot of the people there, have conversations. Uh, do people want to speak openly about religion? Do they want to speak openly about politics? Is there, I, I, I feel a suppression, not official, but, you know, like we've said many times, if you're working in, you know, big corporation America and you've have a certain viewpoint about topics or moral issues, you better keep your mouth shut. I mean, if you want to keep your job, I, I don't know. Did you get a sense of how free people are to express their, their views politically or about moral issues or, or was there more of a hush hush sense? I think <clears throat> for us, it was different because we were Americans. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Russians, they love Americans over there. They're pretty enamored by us. Um, so I think whenever we talked to just random Russian people that we'd meet, uh, they probably, maybe they felt more comfortable discussing topics that normally they wouldn't. Yeah. So that, I, I think that might be a factor. Um, but yeah, we would discuss things like politics, religion. Um, it was kind of interesting because it's, sim- it's similar because I also studied uh, like multiculturalism in Israel, like uh, different like uh, Hasidic Jews, um, things like that. And it was interesting. It's kind of similar with Russia. You have the majority of the population being uh, Orthodox, but it doesn't necessarily mean all of them are practicing, but they'll identify as Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And sem- same in Israel, you'll have people that are, uh, well, they're Jewish, but they don't necessarily practice Judaism. It's Let- heartening, though, that, that they kept that identity Mm-hmm. Through those seventy years, yes, that's, you know, yeah, that's just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me open up the phone lines. If anybody has a comment, question, our guests in studio, Rick Strickland and also Luke Metz. Uh, Luke spent last summer in Russia. Rick uh, has a lot of international experience. Luke is, is studying international affairs. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And uh, yeah, go ahead, Doctor Malloy. Rick, I've got a question. Uh, did, have you read John Hafford's? Uh, Russia will be converted. I have not read that. So John Haffert was this uh, journalist, probably the foremost mid-century, mid-20th century journalist on Fatima. Mm -hmm. He went there, uh, you know, he spoke uh, eight languages uh, fluently. uh, He's he's a very talented journalist. He went there and witnessed, was photographing at a blessing uh, during adoration, witnessed a conversion right in front of his eyes. And he had photos before and photos after. So at that point, he actually became a, a Fatima, a very interested Fatima a scholar. That was 46, I believe. Mm-hmm. So then he wrote this uh, book, uh, Russia Will Be Converted. And I think it touches our situation now. One of the things he starts off with is a chapter on communism. And he says, you know, we tend to think of communists as monsters immediately. And he said, uh, actually, you need a, a subtler understanding of them. And this is in the middle of the uh, McCarthy era. 
And so he, he says, actually, uh, one of their foremost concerns is the suffering that people endure. And one of the operating principles is atheism. So he said the reason they are so bad is that they're atheists. And what do they do with their lives? Uh, and he, he puts it at the beginning saying, basically, most people who are atheists would say, I'm either going to take my life or become a communist. <laughs> and uh, well, the, anyway, he tries to paint it like, you know, they're, they're out for the solution. And then the solution is totally godless and, and mm-hmm. awful. But um, at any rate, I ask because one of the things he does is stress the other side of Our Lady's requests, which is first Saturdays mm-hmm. um, as, as a minor part, actually daily duty of life, reparation, offering your life, being holy, uh, giving the sufferings of the day to Jesus Christ. He, he, and, and this is like the whole book. It's, it's about 150 mm. pages is on do your daily duty. And he's got interviews with um, Lucia who's saying exactly that. She's like, I want to come back to daily duties. And so I, I know when I come back to that, if my requests, I, I think it's in the plural, there in the English right. translations, always in the plural. My requests threefold. One is consecration. Two is uh, that is a, a, by the Pope, um, and the second is daily duty, and the third is um, uh, the first Saturdays. But but Haffert reads the consecration almost as a, and, and maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, but as as a sign that our daily duty has been done, that we have been converted, we as as Catholics. So then, if you look at sin abounding in the world, we're the problem. You know what I mean? But the burden's on us. We got somebody that called in, but go. Do you want to respond to that, Rick? Yeah. You know, in the more I look at uh, this whole situation in in the world and errors spreading around, the the rosary and the first Saturday devotion, but especially the rosary, that seems to be our go-to weapon. And, you know, you started the show asking for, uh, you know, prayer warriors for saying the rosary. And, all of these things, all of these errors, and all of the issues, both in our own society and abroad, can can be conquered with the rosary. I mean, was w- which pope said it? I could conquer the world if I had an army of people. Yeah, people mm-hmm. playing the rosary. So that that really is our solution. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Austin has called in eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We're talking about the consecration of Russia. We have uh, two experts in studio. Well, three if you call if you consider Doctor Malloy an expert, and I certainly do. Uh, we have Luke Metz, who spent last summer in Russia. He's uh, studying for a master's degree at uh, in international affairs at Texas A and M University, and also Rick Strickland here as well. Austin from Odessa, Texas, has called in. Austin, thanks for uh, calling in. What's your comment or question about this topic? Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, brother, uh, fellow brother Catholics. Uh, I just wanted to comment, and um, it's something close to my heart, you know, what y'all are talking about. And me and my wife was discussing it, you know, last night, uh, the, the request for Mother Mary's consecration to her immaculate heart. And um, and I always, I always um, you know, I do a little research that I can, and I want to stress, and also I'm sure y'all would say this, you know, on the show, but, you know, her request was to, um, for the Pope to consecrate Russia to her Immaculate Heart of Mary to prevent the spread of its errors. But it's also, you know, we have to remember that it's also the Pope with including all the bishops of the world. Um, they have to be in accordance, you know, and it, and I don't know if that means every single bishop in every corner of the world, but the majority of them, uh, need to be in on that same consecration along with the Pope. 
Um, and I don't know, you know, some listeners might not know every little details, but, and, um, I just try to uh, learn everything I can about it. And, uh, mother Mary is very close. I'm very close to her. I pray the rosary every morning, you know, for my family. And of course, for peace in this world, because we desperately need it. And, um, um, also, uh, just, um, witnesses who were at the 1982 or 84 consecration with Pope John Paul II and Father Gabriel Lamorth, who was the exorcist for Rome at the time for those years, says that he helped coordinate the event. And from his witness, you know, and from the what his his video and from his witness before his death, Father Gabriel said that he, you know, Pope John Paul II was prevented from saying the word Russia because he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But her request is, you know, for Russia. And Father Gabriel Amoris, his witness, uh, his witness said that uh, he, you know, there was politicians, there was people who we could say who were in, you know, in the infiltration of our church was trying to prevent Pope John Paul II from uh, saying the word Russia and just to save the world. So we know that, you know, if that's true, if we take that, you know, as a true thing, you know, there are, you know, we have people who are wanting this not to happen because, you know, peace, you know, there's people who don't want peace in this world. Mm-hmm. So that's something we have to think about and remember. And also, you know, the details of her request was, you know, Pope, the Pope of the world, along with all the bishops of the world too. And I just wanted to, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, get your thoughts on that too. Yeah, Austin, thanks a lot. Yeah, you, you gave us a lot to, to talk about. Uh, who wants to go, uh, Doctor? Yeah, can first? I can yeah. I comment? So, formulating Austin's uh, question, essentially, I, th- I think would be this: uh, Is it is it sufficient to name a genre to consecrate the species? So, the genre is the world, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Russia is the species. You know, so for instance, I remember praying with some. Uh, lay folks at a monastery and this one woman said i pray for every soul on the face of the earth <laughs> we all, i just cracked up because they're the, the the petitions were mounting but the thing is is then she's not praying she is praying for her mother with cancer say but in another sense she's not yeah so that yeah. i guess that's the question was was russia ever consecrated by name by the Pope and the bishops together. Yeah. And that's the, the example I use. Uh, you got a sick child, you ask a priest to come over and bless this child, he comes over and he blesses the house, he blesses the family, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess the kid was blessed because he's you know, in that family, but I was kind of hoping for a specific blessing. Kind of what you're saying as well. Rick, what do you think? So, yes, I think everybody's correct. The word Russia was not used, and I think stepping back a minute, a lot of uh, probably inside, and I'm not going to speak for a pope, but just thinking to myself and aloud, looking at the situation, understanding that there are Russian Orthodox in Russia, and, constant, and and there was probably some concern in the Vatican that hey, if we say Russia, we're we're maybe we'll offend our Russian Orthodox brothers by doing what we're doing. So that that may be one reason why the word wasn't used. I don't know. But that's no, a very reasonable. It, it, yeah. But I think that's a a pretty good assumption that you've probably got a cardinal or two saying, you know, we don't want to we don't want to offend our Russian brothers because I mean, essentially they're the same religion we are. I mean, naturally they they don't answer to the bishop in Rome, but 
they have many of the tenets of, of Catholic faith. They have the creed uh, and the sacraments, yeah. uh, most of the creed and the sacrament, and, and all the sacraments. And the holy orders but this, and things like the that. But so. the schism is a, is a real factor. It is. Uh, it and is. That, that, now, Haffert points to this, very interesting, I, I think it's an interesting book. He's very responsible, he's articulate, and he, says, and he said in his interview with Lucia in, Lucia, excuse me, in, um, in the 40s, she said that she personally believes that the conversion of Russia will, will uh, take place with the Oriental right. Mm-hmm. In other words, obviously they're not going to become Romans, right. which yeah. is why they resist, by the way, the Eastern Catholics. Am I, am I correct about that, let, let me real quickly jump in. Austin, thank you so much for the call. Let me uh, let Austin get on with his day, so I appreciate your call very much. If anybody else wants to call in, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That was a really good call. appreciate Austin uh, calling in there from West Texas. Uh, anyways, uh, do you want to comment on that, Rick, or what uh, Dr. Malloy was saying? Because I, I do want to talk about the errors of Russia. Luke, go ahead. What was your question again? So the Eastern, did you see Eastern Catholic churches over there? Um, I don't, I don't believe so. So like when I was in St. Petersburg, I went to Roman Catholic churches. Um, so I don't know personally, I didn't really talk to anybody about what their idea of Eastern Catholics were. Um, let, let me, let me, uh, let me change gears a little bit because uh, we're kind of running out of time. I want to talk about the errors of Russia. Yeah. Okay. And I know Rick, you and I have had this conversation. Uh, the immediate error of Russia spread in 1917. It, it, it I mean, it went into to, Mexico. To, to Mexico within a, a few years, then right? China, China, Cuba. I mean, I think Latin there are, America. there are five Spain. Com- communist countries right now. And uh, many people would say, like I said at the beginning of the hour, that we're beginning to see some pretty scary elements here in America, some overt Marxist. Uh, Luke, you told me that you have college professors that are overt Marxists, who not only are Marxists, but are overtly indoctrinating students and not hiding it, uh, even in in your experience, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, mean, that's no surprise, right? mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm not saying that they're bad people or anything necessarily, but like we had a professor who, he was an outspoken Marxist and it had nothing really to do with the topic of what our class was supposed to be discussing, but you know he kind of put in uh, Marxist writings. Uh, you know, I think part of it was no, uh, was it Das Kapital? Was yeah. one of them. Uh, it had nothing to do with our class, but he he had a whole week devoted to that. And then he, <laughs> even I remember we uh, came into class that day, and there was one student. He was um, obviously frustrated, so he came in, turned his paper in, and then left. <laughs> and uh but in that, protest yeah and yeah. and so the professor he said today i'm going to convert some of you <laughs> oh wow that's scary rick what do you think of the 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 spreading of the era of russia you know you i know you believe in and i think there's a lot of evidence that russia in in many ways is heading in a good direction in a you know christian revival sense but much of the world may be heading in in another direction what do you think overall about the spreading of the evil in relation to fatima and the message well the fatima message was that unless she was converted it would spread so she was not converted she said it would be done it would be done late and then she would turn around but it's kind of like letting the cat out of the bag because everywhere these errors go, usually you have bloody revolution. So the fear for everybody around the world is always with the communist errors is, you know, do we, we don't want that here. And we certainly don't want it in the United States and, or anywhere. Um, but if you look at all of the uh, countries, whether in Mexico they had that, that terrible revolution uh, in, in uh, communist China, uh, 
you know, Luke mentioned the 70 to 120 million people yeah. killed. So um, those eras of atheism clash with whatever culture it's, it's coming into. Because I would argue by nature, we were created a spirit, human uh, body and a spirit. And so that atheism goes against the spirit and therefore you're going to get a clash. Mm. And uh, we, you know, you'll see that. Yeah, the only in the I the uh, absolutely totally uh, eye to eye. Uh, I, one thing I would add is I see the errors of Russia as threefold. The first is uh, atheism, even more important than communism, uh, but they're kind of they're they're inseparable. There, the, the Marxism, and then thirdly the schism. So that would be a softer kind of error, but uh, sort of in the background, it didn't start in 1917, but that the full conversion would be union with the church, full communion with the Catholic church. Right. Mm. All and right. That, I mean, can you imagine what a force, the best novelists yeah. in the history of the world? I mean, they are great people. Well, if you look at Russian music, uh, yeah. Russian uh, literature, uh, it's, it's and Russian architecture, it's really great. Well, they created method acting too, so... Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> ouch. Is that good? <laughs> I thought it was not good. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how you look at it. That would yeah. be a whole different show. We'll talk about method acting. All right. We are good. Just about two minutes before we got to take a break. And Dick Lyles is going to join us, the producer of the Fatima movie. Anything else while we're on this general topic of Our Lady's message uh, as played out in Russia, the errors spreading around the, uh, the country and the world? Any other last thoughts before we take our break? Dr. Malloy? No, we go ahead and take- I, I have to say, while Pope Benedict was reigning, some European parliamentary uh, senators asked Pope Benedict to consecrate Russia in, in, the, in the way envisioned in that, uh, in that statement like with the Pope and the bishops. Did you know that? Mm, this I did is, not. Because they were, they were, you know, the Ukraine, we had this, this various uh, kind of seemingly aggressive actions. Mm-hmm. There's a dispute with Turkey and all this kind of stuff uh, going on back then. Uh, the Syria thing, and uh, so yes, yeah, some senators, two of them in in the in the parliament, in the mm. European uh, whatever government, yeah, yeah. Uh, they asked for it. Yeah, I just wonder if any. So it's not just nut jobs like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if any future pope is going. Would that be a a insult to John Paul II to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and you know carry out this consecration that many people didn't think happened, or is it? We're just going to have to, to deal with what we have, and you either believe it happened or you didn't, and nothing else is going to happen by the church. I guess that's the question. Well, earlier, Lucia said it didn't happen, but she said real blessings came. Pius Twelfth twice, once by himself, he consecrated Russia. Once with the bishops, he consecrated the world. And that seems to be the back and forth thing. Yeah. But she said real, real blessings came. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you had, you had several attempts in 42 and 48, 67, 52. 82 and 84. So it's, it's, it's either we, we just keep trying and we fail, but as a result of all of this discussion and, and we, we, th- there's no doubt that we can definitely say that Russia has returned to orthodoxy. We can say that yeah. positively. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the Russian people as a whole, they're not attending church like they, you know, like they could, like 10%, 9%, something like that, attend regularly. But, we they're not persecuted catholics can practice there and orthodoxy is elevated and 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 looked to as a uh a good uh moral uh fiber of society mm-hmm. which wasn't the case under communism yeah. so yeah. yeah and you see a lot of uh 
religious symbols that are being kind of more prevalent in society. So like St. George on the Russian seal, um, that's, you see that everywhere. The double-headed eagle, uh, a lot of people will think it's, I mean, you can, you can interpret the double-headed eagle in multiple ways, but you have the unity of East and West, but also if you look at what the eagle's holding, it has the, uh, I forgot what the official name is, but it's the, the orb with the cross on it, yeah. and then the scepter, and it's the unification of church and state. Yeah, interesting. Let's take our break. Uh, Dick Lyles, producer of the Fatima movie, coming out in August, uh, is going to join us to talk about the movie and you, you know what it's about, the new, the, the how, what the take that they have on Fatima. So it should be an interesting conversation. If you want to join us, 877-757-9424 is the phone number. We'll be back with GRN Live Friday right after this. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Well, what do you think? Is the new and improved GRNonline.com a big upgrade? Hi, this is Len Oswald with your GRN Family Minute. At GRNonline.com, it's now easier to listen to your local GRN station, find your local events, contacts, sponsors, program schedule, and much more. All this while staying connected to the rest of the GRN family. Our podcast management tool not only allows us to optimize the podcast feeds of our shows, but also to integrate them into our website, mobile app, or anywhere else that you find a GRN-produced podcast. Just visit grnonline.com, then go to Listen Again under the Listen menu at the top of the page. Also, you can listen fast and free on our mobile app. However you like to listen, GRN has you covered from our radio stations to our live audio streams online, mobile apps, podcasts, and live video on social media at GRN Online. All right, we are back. This is GRN Live Friday Edition, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. I know this whole Fatima and Russia, it's a topic that many of you have in mind. Really enjoyed the call from Austin out in West Texas. Appreciate him calling and also appreciate, uh, we're talking about the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and our uh, Vice President uh, Toya texted me and uh, said October 7th. I think I said October 15th, so I stand corrected. So thank you, Toya. October October 7th is the Feast of the Holy Rosary that we talked about earlier. So, all right, uh, Dick Lyles is producer of the movie Fat- Fatima the Movie. If you go to FatimaTheMovie.com, you can see that according to the website, it's going to be coming out on August 28th. And it uh, tells the story of Fatima, a powerful and uplifting drama about the power of faith. It tells the story of a 10-year-old shepherd and her two young cousins in Fatima, Portugal, who report seeing visions of the Virgin Mary. And so we want to get straight to Dick Lyles and 
get uh, his take on the movie. And uh, Dick, good morning. Thanks for joining us at Journal Live this morning. Good morning, Dave. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I saw the movie, as did uh, Dr. Chris Malloy, and I know we're kind of embargoed from talking too much about it and what we thought, so I'm going to let you do (laughs) the talking so I don't get myself in trouble, but uh, I did appreciate seeing it, I'll say that. you know, Fatima is something that has been portrayed in films uh, a number of times. Uh, what was the idea, what was the different angle, the different take that you and the others involved in the movie wanted to express through this movie? Well, what's different about this film from previous movies about Fatima is we told the story through the eyes of the shepherds, really from uh, Lucia, the oldest of the three shepherds, from her point of view. Uh, we wanted to show what the shepherds really went through in a gritty sort of down-to-earth perspective in the context of what happened and what was happening at the time. Because at the time, you know, there was a, uh, uh, World War I was just finishing in Europe and the Portuguese Civil War was was, uh, going on. And so there was a tremendous um, amount of conflict and chaos, if you will, in the culture at the time. And uh, when the apparition started, uh, everybody in the village was was very much afraid that uh, they were going to get in trouble because the Portuguese nationalists who were who had taken over the country from the previous monarch um, were seeing Catholics as a threat to the constitutional republic that they were trying to set up. So there was tremendous pressure uh, against. Uh, having Catholics have too much of a voice in what was going on. And when the stir was caused by the shepherds and all this excitement was created with what they were saying, it really scared them because uh, everybody else was, everybody was trying to shut them down. The administrator and the local government was trying to shut them down, the mayor, and, um, and, and the clergy was afraid they were going to get in trouble. They actually boarded up the church and so forth. And so there was a tremendous amount of pressure on these three kids, age 10, 8, and 7, and they stuck by their story, and they showed tremendous courage and tremendous faith and got this word out. And so we wanted people to see that uh, because we think it's important a couple, a couple things today. One is it's important for us to stand up for our faith, but uh, two, it's also important for uh, people to understand um, how courageous these children really were. Yeah, it is amazing that uh, they were entrusted with such an important message at such a, a tender young age. And you talk, Dick, about the, the tumultuous time. And I know we recently, a few years ago, passed the 100th anniversary of Fatima. But it seems like the message is as pertinent today as it was back then, maybe even more so. How do you think uh, and why do you think this movie, this message is important in 2020? Well, it is. It's, it's, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, if you've seen it, you know that uh, there's a, uh, Harvey Keitel plays the role of this older professor, uh, Professor Nichols, who's a skeptic about apparitions and has written books, uh, you know, about them and so forth. And he's interviewing an older sister, Lucia, in uh, the early 1990s. And right around the time of the collapse of the Berlin Wall and the demise of communism and so forth. And so one of the things that he asks her is he says during this interview, do you have any regrets? And she kind of, 
you know, kind of wisely tilts her head back and raises an eyebrow, and she says, does it look to you like the world has heard a message of heavenly peace? That's hmm. my only regret, not having done enough to serve my mother, to get these messages out and so forth. And so uh, I think uh, it was true in the early 1990s, and it's even more true today than it was in the 1990s, that uh, the world needs this message. I mean, if you just look around at what's going on um, just in the United States alone, but things like that are happening all over the world where there's uh, chaos and discontent and faith is under assault. And, uh, it, uh, you know, we need to hear these messages again. Yeah, and the the, the message of Fatima was... You know, there was a lot there. You know, the consecration of Russia, the secrets. There's, you know, the vision of hell. There's, there's so much. And obviously, in a hour and a half, two hour movie, you can't tell the whole thing. How did y'all decide what parts of it to focus in on, and what were the most important messages, especially for a 2020 audience? Well, we wanted to get the. We wanted to to make sure we got the story of what the shepherds went through from beginning to end. Uh, from 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 the first uh, encounter they had with the angel of Portugal, who told them to start praying because uh, things were going to happen, uh, all the way to the miracle of the sun, and uh, we decided that we would stop at the miracle of the sun because we just wanted people to 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 see what happened and to understand it, and that's another reason for making this movie today was the fact that with today's modern technology, we could make things uh, more real. We, we use the term often a magic realism, so that the apparitions uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary really looked authentic. And when you saw them, you didn't suspend belief. You really said, oh, wow, I, I could see how that happened. And I think we're able to pull that off in the movie. Yeah, certainly did. Dick Lyle's joining us. The movie is uh, Fatima the Movie. You can go to FatimaTheMovie.com. And uh, Dick, uh, everything's, you know, turned upside down in 2020 and putting movies out, I know, is probably more challenging than it's ever been before. Uh, I I see August 28th as the release date. Well, what does that mean as far as uh, somebody listening right now that wants to go see it? Is it going to be in theaters or limited? Every, uh, yes, can, it will be. People, we don't know how many it? theaters. Originally, it was scheduled to be released on April 24th in over 1,000 theaters uh, in North America. Uh, then, of course, the uh, pandemic hit and things got postponed. It was going to be August 14th. Now it's August 28th. It means that it'll be available in theaters. We're not sure which theaters. We know at least uh, probably 250 to 300 theaters. Uh, we're hoping, uh, as things sit right now, it looks like most of the chains will reopen in um, early August, uh, mid-August maybe, and then toward the end of August, we could be back up to 1,000 screens. People will have to go to the website that you mentioned, AdamandTheMovie.com and uh, and uh, see which screens near them it will be available on, but it's also available for rental at home. That's a, that's a, a something unique that's just happening with this movie because of the pandemic. So at the same time it's being released in theaters, it's also being made available for uh, premium video on demand, so people can rent it at home and watch it. So they don't have to go to the theaters. But what also a lot of people are doing, in fact, I talked to three people this week 
alone who are uh, actually putting together groups of people that they know and they're buying out theaters for opening weekend. So they'll be going to see the movie. The theaters will have all the uh, all the uh, pandemic safety precautions for social distancing in place. They'll sanitize them between every viewing. They'll do all that kind of stuff. So it should be uh, safe to do. But if you want to go see it with your family, like maybe uh, maybe a, a, a ministry from your local parish, or maybe just the parish wants to get together and go and get several screens. We can we can um, have multiple screens in each theater um, available for the showing because there won't be too many releases. Will there be us and maybe one or two other movies that are released at that time? Dick, if it's so if it's not can take groups of people, and that's what we hope people will do is take groups of people that they know and they're safe with, so they won't have to watch it with strangers. They can just go and it really is. The movie is cinematically so profound and so majestic and so beautiful that seeing it in the theater is worth making the effort. But if you can't go see it in the theater, then uh, it, it'll be available for rental at home. Dick, if it's not showing in your city, is there any way of requesting it in your city? Can, the, can those buyouts um, get it to come to a city? Yes, there is. Uh, if, you, if you go to the website... And uh, FatimaTheMovie.com. There's also a group sales tag, and if you uh, tab, if you click on that uh, group sales tab, then uh, they can uh, they can talk and, and see what they can do. The only uh, thing that would make it not available uh, in uh, reasonably decent sized cities, like I said, we're, 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 we hope to be back up to a thousand theaters. Is if of course the certain states don't allow theaters to be open by then. Yeah, eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four is the uh, number. Dick Lyle's joining us, producer of Fatima the Movie. Go to fatimathemovie.com. dot com. Where where where'd you film it? We filmed it in Portugal, Dave, and it wow. was uh, it was a wonderful experience. Um, one of the largest movies, if not the largest movie ever filmed in Portugal. Wow. We had uh, 2,500 extras, uh, 250 crew, uh, 75 cast, 300 animals. <laughs> we, had, we, I mean, it was an amazing production. And what was exciting about filming it in Portugal is that um, all the 2,500 extras um, were from Portugal. And almost all of them had some kind of a personal or family connection back to what happened at Fatima. It was like either a grandparent, a grandmother, grandfather, great uncle, a great aunt, somebody who was actually at the Miracle of the Sun, and they all had their own individual Fatima stories to tell. So there was this tremendous reverence and respect for what was going on uh, in filming the movie. And, of course, we used an international cast, but everything we filmed was in Portugal. Interesting. You, you, we talk about the situation in the world, the situation in America. I just want to maybe comment on, you know, there's there's so much going on right here in this country and the Fatima message. We spent most of the first part of the program talking about Russia and the errors of Russia and communism and all that. And so a movie like this could really make a big impression i mean what what would you like people how would you like this to to change or get into the hearts of people especially in america when they watch a movie like this what's the message 
Well, I think I would like people just to embrace the the most basic messages of Fatima. Now, this is a movie for everybody, by the way. This is a movie that, whether you're Catholic or not, or whether you're a Fatima devotee or not, you're going to enjoy this movie because it's a great story and it's well told. But what we would hope that people would come away from the movie with is a sense that um, that the world around them needs uh, messengers of peace right now, and the world around them needs need, needs peace, love, charity, and faith, and that we need to get back to that place uh, where we see love one another um, as we love ourselves and 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 love God above all, and that people are praying. You know, one of the things that I would hope is that. Any Catholics who see this movie, if they're not praying the rosary every day, would do so. That's one of the changes it had on me. I mean, when we first started working on the movie, I reflected on this, and I was like, you know, I just sort of asked myself, you know, do you really believe this? And I had always kind of accepted it and, and believed it. But I said, do you really believe it uh, deep down inside your heart? And and I said, yes. And I said, well, then what What are the implications for me if I do believe it? And I said, how could you possibly believe this happened and not be playing, praying the rosary every day? I mean, she went, all this trouble and everything, and one message that came through loud and clear repeatedly was pray the rosary every day and pray for peace and uh, pray that sinners repent. And uh, so we started praying the rosary every day, and it's brought so many miracles into our life. It's just incredible. And so I would hope that people would would um, pray the rosary, pray every day, um, bring others to this story, because it's a story that everybody can, can find interesting and exciting and relate to. And then I would say picture yourself. I would like people to put themselves in Sister Lucia's shoes and picture themselves... Uh, Five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, and 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 have them if they look in the mirror and say, "Have I done enough to bring peace into the world?" To be able to answer, "Yes, I have. I've done. I've done my job. I've picked up my share of the load. Uh, I've contributed to peace and to love and to charity in the world." Yes. Very nice. Uh, Dick, we appreciate you joining us, uh, and uh, we encourage everybody to go to that website. You can watch the trailer. You can uh, find out more information about the movie, Fatima the Movie. Go to FatimaTheMovie.com. Just about out of time here, Dick. Anything else you want to convey to our listeners before we say goodbye to you? No, just that it's a movie for everybody. Everybody should enjoy this movie. We'd like everybody to go see it if possible, April 24th. If you can't go see it in a theater near you, it's available for home rental. And uh, take groups if you can. And what Dave, about, thanks a lot. I really appreciate being Dick, on your program. Dick, one, one last question. Age, age group, what would be yeah. the minimum age, you would say? Four or five? Well, the film is rated PG-13. Now, that just means parental guidance. The reason it's PG-13 is because we show some of what the shepherds saw when they saw the visions of hell. And also, one of the visions talks about the assassination of a pope, and so we showed that. Um, My kids, ages 7 to... My grandkids, ages 7 to 13, all went to see it, and um, they loved it. They fell in love with the movie. They all learned to sing uh, the theme song, which is Gracia Plena, you know, that... uh, um, Andrea Bocelli sings so beautifully. 
Um, so I would say, uh, if you're if you're reluctant with kids, then watch it first before you show them the movie, just so you're comfortable with what they're going to see. But I don't think anybody's going to have any problem with this movie. Yeah, very good, Dick. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time this morning. FatimaTheMovie.com coming out uh, next month, and so check it out and do go see it. It's a good movie to support. Uh, appreciate your time, Dick. Thank you. God bless you, Dave. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate it. All right, we got about one and a half minutes before we end the radio portion of GRN Live. And uh, Rick and Luke, and I'm not sure about Dr. Malloy. You guys hang around. You got to get back to. The... I, 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 I'm running. You can see me running in the studios now. Yeah. I've, I've got to get to a condo. It's being carpeted. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we're going to hang around, do the after show. Ben had a few issues with social media and the audio. So I'm sorry if you're on social media. The audio has been a little bit uh, sketchy this morning, but I think everybody on the radio can hear us. And so, anyways, uh, uh, Rick, Luke, anything based on the uh, conversation with Dick there that uh, struck you, or do you want to wait till the after show to, to comment? No, no, no. I, I think the it would be an amazing um, show for Catholics to get out and support this movie. You know, we've been in a time where we've been restricted, and if we could go in mass to theaters, and you have all these Catholics and around the country just flood these theaters with this movie. I think it would it would show a lot of people, hey, we're still here, and and we're you know we're all united, and we want we, you know this is a good message. All right, yeah. very good. All right, Rick, thank you, Luke, thank you. They're going to hang around. Diane, thanks for running the board, and uh, pray for Cecil and her safe return. Also, Richard Reina and all those who are traveling, and uh, Dr. Molloy, thanks. Good seeing you. Thank you. Great seeing you. Hope you get that carpet laid uh, <laughs> <laughs> effectively. All right, uh, the after show will be after this, uh, and don't forget the replay on tomorrow morning, and also Joe and the team Monday at the same time with Joanna Live Monday. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us today. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother.
Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.